Hey girl, hey! Hey boy, hey! Hey fellow podcasters, I'm Queen B. I'm Tori. And I'm Cass. Do you enjoy true crime stories? Or maybe you enjoy a good mystery. Or perhaps you love a thrilling, spooky story that keeps you awake at night. Then join us every week as we take you on a wild, thrill-seeking adventure and let's get paranoid. Where three friends band together to talk about many different topics involving true crime, serial killers, conspiracy theories, and more. Let's face it, these are pretty common topics for us, so why not make a podcast about it and share it with you? Okie dokie, let's get paranoid. I'm going to start off with our first podcast. Um, Just a little background information. I had a class that I had to do an assignment on a serial killer, and I got to choose out of like seven serial killers, and I chose Eileen Willows. I was expected to do three paragraphs, and I did six pages because, you know, I'm a nerd. So. Eileen Carol Pittman was born in Rochester, Michigan on February 29, 1956, to her parents, the teenage Diane Warnos, who was 16, and 20-year-old Leo Pittman. Eileen never met her father. He had been accused and convicted of the rape of a seven-year-old girl, child molestation, and kidnapping. Leo eventually committed suicide by hanging in prison. It was reported that Leo was diagnosed with schizophrenia. By the time she was four, Eileen had been abandoned by her mother and, in 1960, was adopted by her maternal grandparents. Her name was officially changed to Warnos. That's really sad that she was abandoned at four. Yeah. Yeah. There's no love in her life from the start. No. uh -uh. No. Doesn't seem like it. Um, I guess the parents split up before she was born. Um, yeah, just anything about her mom. Well, because her mom abandoned her. I don't know where the mom went off. Did she go off with another man? Um, you know, because remember, like, that time frame, unwed mothers, and, you know, that wasn't, that was frowned upon. So, I don't know if they were married or not. They had different last names. So, you know, when the children had been last names. Um, at least until 1960. Did you say how old she would have been now? Um, so she was born in 1956, so she would be about 67 years old had she made it this long. But unfortunately, she didn't. Unfortunately. Uh, well, or maybe, <laughs> maybe fortunately. Yeah, it depends on your 
respect or you know that's the way you look at it. after eileen was adopted her life continued to be traumatic by age 11 eileen reported that she was sexually active and had participated in many delinquent behaviors in exchange for food cigarettes and drugs eileen reported that she had had consensual sex with her brother Eileen was also reportedly physically and sexually assaulted by her grandfather, who also was an alcoholic. In 1971, at the age of 14, Eileen was raped by another family member and gave birth to a baby boy who was later adopted. Now, it was later, it was said that either it was a family member or I read other things that said that it was a family friend. So somehow, it was someone in their immediate circle that had raped her and produced an incest baby or child of rape, whatever. Um, luckily for that little boy, he was adopted out, and I guess nothing is known about his whereabouts. I think that's for the best. Yeah, yeah. In 1972, at the age of 15, Eileen was kicked out of her home by her grandfather and left to fend for herself. Because around the time Eileen had given birth to the little boy at the home for unwed mothers, the grandmother had died from liver failure. So it was reported that Eileen was, you know, hard to handle. And um, later on, it was when Eileen had said, you know, about the abuse that she had endured from her grandfather, other family members came out and said that she actually was not abused by her grandfather, that he was very strict and stern. And the wilder Eileen got, the stricter and sterner grandfather became. So I don't know what the truth is. Was grandfather abusive sexually and physically towards her? Or is that just something that was made up in Eileen's mind? Well, and then to play devil's advocate, like, even if he was, like, not a devil's advocate. I guess that's the wrong word, but... I'm sure all she wanted was for somebody, like, for a good role model in her life. Oh, this is just so sad. I mean, can you imagine coming out and saying that kind of stuff and nobody believing you? That's true. Well, and in, in the, remember, this was the, you know, the 60s, the, you know, late, late 50s, early 60s, and sex was taboo talking about it and things like that and there was a lot of um shame with that sort of thing and um girls who were raped didn't really talk about it or who were molested they kind of kept it to themselves um so it was a whole different world back then and you know there were just things that weren't talked about in you know proper society and um, that was probably just one of the things. And, you know, here, here these, these grandparents are saddled with these two kids. You know, the parents were babies themselves when they had them. You know, dad was schizophrenic, so he had mental issues. And, you know, and that was probably suicide. covered up. Right, right. And was it schizophrenia or, or later on when we find out what Eileen was diagnosed with, you know, was he maybe misdiagnosed with schizophrenia? Because schizophrenia and, you know, SA of a child does not really, you know, I don't know many, I've never heard of many schizophrenics that actually go and do that kind of thing. Um, so that's questionable in my mind. 
And which side did you say she was the grandparents that adopted her? Was it mom's side or the That was mom's parents, yes. So if they were abusing her, imagine what they were doing to her mom to begin with. You would think, right. And as a mother, would you want your children to be raised by people that abused you? No. You know, maybe that's why, you know, mom ran away. Um, Unfortunately, she left her kids. But again, it was a different world back then. Mm. Um, Yeah. After, After leaving her grandfather's home, she continued to participate in her criminal activities. It was reported that she actually lived in a tent in the woods around the town that she grew up in. And she worked as a sex worker to provide for herself. Sometime between 1972 and 1974, Eileen moved to Colorado. While she was in Colorado, she was cited for drinking and driving, disorderly conduct, and firing a gun from a moving vehicle, and eventually she was also cited with failure to appear in court. In 1976, she finally made her way to Florida by hitchhiking, where she met and quickly married Louis Gratz Fell. Now, Louis, Mr. Fell, was 69 years old, um, and like I said, she was 20. So she's 20, he's 69, and... That's a, what? 20, 69... 49 years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So their age differences might might totally not help. Uh. Yeah. Um, now, he was reported to be a yacht owner or something, a yacht club owner. So I think he might have had money. And they reportedly had met in a bar. And she probably sold herself to him and... Um, it was a get-rich-quick scheme, maybe, and um, so they were quickly married. But that marriage was quickly dissolved due to Eileen's documented abuse of Mr. Fell. She reportedly beat him with his cane. So, um, so that was done. I uh, have a fun fact. Well, okay, so I know a little bit about Eileen. Just because um, she knew Chris's uh, maternal grandma. And his pap still talks about Eileen today. Okay. Interestingly enough, in 1978, when I was four years old, she attempted suicide by shooting herself in the stomach. Ooh, that's going to hurt. Yeah. Usually women don't do that. They usually do other means where, like... um, You know, they take pills or stick their head in, like, a gas stove or, you know, those kind of things. Um, They don't, like, blow their brains out or their stomach. Mm. Yeah, that's gross. And, you know, it's a painful thing. And a lot of people, when they're shot in the stomach, die. So she's lucky that she was alive. Unfortunately, she didn't die because, you know, if she had succeeded, seven men would have had the chance to live longer lives. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. It was reported that Eileen had tried to commit suicide six times between the ages of 14 and 22. So, wow. As 14 somebody, and 22. As some, well, I mean, you know those ages are rough. You know, you've got the hormones going on. You, I mean, she That's has so sad. reasons to be depressed and want to kill herself, right? Yeah, but my goodness. 
Wow. <laughs> and she was unsuccessful. So in the 1980s, after the annulment of her marriage, Eileen continued her life of crime and prostitution. Eileen then went on to have a bisexual relationship with a Miss Tyria Moore. I think she called her Ty, whom Eileen reported was the love of her life. So she did find the love of her life. At the time of her relationship with Miss Moore and during the murder spree time frame, Eileen was going by the name of Lee. She was Lee and Miss Moore was Ty. And it was kind of like um, a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing going on there. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, they they reportedly moved from hotel to hotel, motel to motel. Um, and Eileen liked to take care of Ty. Um, she went out and hustled. You know, she sold herself to make money for them to live and eat. And I don't think Ty did much by way of contributing to the relationship. Eileen has been studied by many psychologists in order to understand why she became a serial killer. Eileen reportedly received the psycho psychopathy, psychopathy, psychopathy checklist score called a PCLR. And her score was 32. Um, the cutoff score for this checklist in the United States is 30, so she well exceeded the, the score um, for being a psychopath. Um, while she was studying in prison, she reportedly also met the criteria for antisocial personality disorder and borderline personality disorder. Um, and that's obvious because of, you know, her... Um, just her antics as a teenager and, and young adult um, prostituting herself and, you know, petty crimes and things like that. Eileen was reportedly hitchhiking when all the serial killings occurred, and she offered herself up for prostitution to each of her victims. The court evidence showed that there was ambiguous evidence that her crimes were sexually motivated or gratifying. Eileen robbed her victims during her killing spree and wanted no eyewitnesses to her crime. And it is said that the confluence of early childhood attachment destruction, severe psychopathy, and other personality disorder pathology, as well as a traumatic childhood history of abuse, contributed to her murderous crimes. During the court case, Florida's expert witness, Dr. George Bernard, who was a psychiatrist who worked with Eileen after her arrest, also stated that there was also evidence that mental issues, a history of alcoholism and drug use, disturbance, and genetic or environmental defects also contributed to the murderer spree. So he's saying that there's a lot more than just um, her past history. There's, you know, the dad had She's got, you know, borderline and antisocial personality disorders. You know, there's alcoholism in her family, drug use, um, you know, that all, you know, she was poverty. She lived in poverty most of her life. So the, all those different things contributed. Now, not everybody who has mental health issues or family history and a family history of alcoholism and drug use and all that, um, they don't go and murder people so um, i think if that was the case we'd all be serial killers correct correct so something something stops us or the majority of us and 
you know, you have these these people that go on, um, you know, to do this. Now, the question is, why did she do it? Was it, you know, that she got off on it like it was exciting um, for the thrill of murdering someone? There's people that they say they want to kill somebody just because they want to see what it looks like and feels like. And, um, you know, was that the reason why? I mean, there's there's a lot of questions that need to be, well, they'll never be answered when it comes to her, because she's dead. So Eileen killed seven men, but she was only convicted of murdering six. The victims of Eileen were 51-year-old Richard Malloy. He was the one that they eventually took her to court and she was convicted of. Um, 43-year-old David Spears, 40-year-old Charles Parskadon, 50-year-old Troy Burris, 56-year-old Dick Humphreys, 65-year-old Peter Symes, and 62-year-old Walter Antonio. And they're all pretty up there in age, like 40s and 50s. Right, right. And how old was she when she was doing, when she was, like, murdering these people? Um, let's see. They the 90s, right? the 90s. So that, you know, that was in the early 90s that she did that. Um, so in 76, she was 20, so she was in her 30s. Okay, it makes it sound a little bit less of a... Yeah, she wasn't a child, she was definitely a a mature adult. I was picturing this 20-year-old just killing all these 50-year-olds. Yeah, no. No, she was younger than they were, but yeah. But not by much, okay. Right. Eileen committed all seven of these murders within the span of 12 months. There were ones that were, like, done, like, weeks apart. She threatened to kill Chris's pap. He's lucky that he's alive. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Mr. Malloy was Eileen's first victim. He reportedly had picked up Eileen, who was acting as a prostitute. He died after being shot in the chest. Mr. Spears was found nude and shot in the torso six times. A few days after Mr. Spears was found, Mr. Karskadon was discovered shot in the chest and stomach. Mr. Burris had been reported missing a week prior to the discovery of his body. Even though his body was severely decomposed from the hot August weather in Florida, the coroner was able to determine that his cause of death was due to two gunshot wounds to the torso. Mr. Humphreys, he's um, he's a sad story. Um, he was a decorated Air Force major as well as a police chief and a Florida child abuse investigator. Nevertheless, he was found deceased in September of 1990. Eileen reportedly stole Mr. Humphreys' car. Mr. Stems or Symes was reportedly a victim of Eileen Warnos. However, his body has never been found. So, you know, oh. remember they're in Florida. So, I mean, he could have been alligator food or something, you know, you never know. Witnesses reported seeing him with two unidentified women before his appearance. Could they have Eileen and her girlfriend? Right. Ty, yeah. remember Ty, her girlfriend? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't, I yeah. didn't know that it was suspected she was involved. Well, she gets immunity later on. And um, Eileen must have really loved her because she took the rap for it. And she didn't want Ty to go to jail. Um, she 
you know, she tried to protect Ty as much as she possibly could. So, I mean, if there's one saving grace for Eileen, um, it's that. Now, if Ty really was involved in the murder, um, that's a pretty crappy thing to do, you know, because, you know, now you have a, a murderer still. I don't know if she's still alive. She probably is, um, but still walking this earth, you know. But Eileen, I think, was she was the, the main doer of evil deeds. The final victim, Mr. Antonio, was found deceased with four entrance wounds to the back head. His car had also been stolen. So that was her M.O., killing these guys and taking their cars. Some cars would break down. She would abandon them different places. Um, she and Ty would drive around town in these cars. Um, they're pretty bold, actually. Yeah, so nobody was like, oh, hey, this car was reported stolen, stolen and it's being driven around town like nobody thought hey red flag here right but it is florida it is florida i mean no like <sighs> well the one one of the um victims was actually leaving uh florida to go to new jersey i believe that was mr Sims 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 s-i-e-m-s um, yeah, he, he wanted to leave. He was leaving Florida for some reason to go to New Jersey. Now, I don't know if he had family in New Jersey or um, what was causing him to go, but he never he never got to New Jersey. You know, he he just met, wanted to get the hell out of Dodge. Well, he met Eileen and, you know, plans changed. So I sorry, I looked up um, Tyria Morris now. Is that how you yes. say her name? Yes. Uh, it says, well, this is from December 14th, 2021. It says she currently lives as a private citizen in Pennsylvania. Scranton. Oh. Probably Scranton. Um, I didn't click in the link. Eileen and fame. were seen in Mr. Seam's car, Siam's car, and Eileen's fingerprints had been found inside items in the car. So that's how they caught, that's how they caught her. Um, they got his car. Now they knew there was two women involved. But Eileen's, Eileen had that criminal history. She had all that stuff that she'd done, the prostitution and the drugs and the arrests and the guns and all these things. So they, that's how they caught her. Um, and she was linked to his car. And of course he was missing and never found. When Eileen and Miss Moore discovered that Eileen was a suspect in the murders, Miss Moore, Ty, she hightailed her butt to Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, so police followed her there and they set up a sting plan for her to um, become a star witness. And she obtained, um, they obtained conversations between Ty and Eileen. Um, and she got immunity for the crimes when she assisted the law enforcement in obtaining information about her where, Eileen's whereabouts. And recorded the phone conversations documenting the crimes. So in these phone calls, um, she basically admits that she did it and she had no remorse. And, you know, they, they tried to rape her and she had to, you know, stick up for herself and protect herself. And even in the phone conversations, she spent a lot of time protecting Ty from any chance that she could be, uh, involved criminally with with the case it makes you wonder how much of that was schizophrenia like did they really rape her or did 
just think that happened. Like, I don't really know much about schizophrenia and all that stuff, but I just, I don't know. Well, I mean, it makes you wonder, like, did did the voices tell her she had to kill these guys? Yeah. You know, um, that was never actually brought up. Or did they actually try to rape her and she, like, I don't want to say was, like, triggered in some way, but, like, did they actually rape her or try to rape her and it just, like, unleashed something that... Uh, That's a good way to put it, yeah. Or also, like, I mean, we all have trauma in us some way, shape, or form, but, like, let's say it was consensual and something inside of her snapped. Like, it it sent her back to, like, one of those moments where she was getting raped. So, in her mind, her brain just snapped and she went off and killed these people. Like, you hear about it all the time. People black out. The whole summer of, you know, 1990, she did that? That's true. You know? Um, now, it was reported later, I guess she had said that Mr. Malloy, um, he did rape her. Um, and I guess he, you know, did both ends. And he apparently got off from her cries of pain. And um, he had threatened, reportedly from Aileen, he reportedly said he was going to kill her. And so it was kill or be killed. And so she ended up killing him. So what if this, like, I, like, I'm not trying to, like, uh, excuse any of this, but, okay, so what if this right here was the, the push, trick. like, the trigger, the, you know, whatever? Very well, could be. Well, later on, she did admit that the other six victims really didn't, they didn't rape her, but they tried to rape her. Um, it is, it, it is a very, I don't know, there's a... Sex worker I follow on TikTok, well, retired sex worker I follow on TikTok, and she says that, like, unwanted touches, like, she just gets triggered by, like, people just touching her, and it's a very, um, it's a very, uh, traumatizing lifestyle, and that's something, you know, that they carry with them. I Well, and she was forced into it because, you know, she had to eat as a child. Yeah. As a child, as a young teenager, you know, and um, living in a tent in Michigan is cold. Yeah, you do whatever you got to do to get some money just to get by, just to live. And that doesn't mean you like it. And remember, these were men. And, you know, she had a relationship with Ty and Ty was a woman and she said she loved Ty. And I think Ty was the only one that she ever really did love. There was another woman that she adopted or something. Um, but Ty, I, I believe, was her her love. And so maybe she was gay. Maybe she was a lesbian. And, you know, she had enough of men, you know, having their way with her. And, you know, of course, she could only get money from having sex with men. So, um, you know, it was a hate-hate relationship there. Yeah, you just look at men and it's just this hateful object. Right. And you've been hurt by them. Yes. Yeah. After Eileen's arrest, the defense argued that Eileen was mentally incompetent and that she had acted in self-defense. But Eileen herself told the court and the media that she was not insane. She actually took up um, 
she was the only defense witness. She did go on the stand and um, she must have done a bang up job because, um, well, on January 14th, 1992, the trial began and it was nearly two weeks long. It concluded on January 27th, 1992. Eileen Carol Lee Warnos was found guilty of all counts, which included the first degree murder of Richard Malloy, as well as armed robbery. The jury had only deliberated for two hours. Um, usually when juries go into the jury room, um, they say the quicker they come back, it's not good for the defendant. So um, that stood true with Eileen's case. Upon hearing her conviction, Eileen continued to claim defense, stating that she had been raped by all seven of her victims. And he yelled that out in court. Um, and Eileen only went to trial once as she had pled no contest or guilty to the rest of the murder charges against her. So like I said, she went, um, she was convicted of six of the seven. I would assume that Mr. Sim, Sam, same, whatever his name, um, the one that wasn't found, I don't think they um, brought charges against her for his disappearance. Well, it's kind of hard to tie her to the murder if they don't have evidence on the body. Right, right. The defense wanted Eileen to receive a life sentence in prison due to the trauma she had experienced as a child. But the state wanted Eileen to receive the death, death penalty, which she ultimately received on January 31st, 1992. The jury recommended the death sentence due to her previous criminal history, murder being committed during the commission of a robbery, murder being committed in order to avoid arrest and detection, and because the murder was heinous, atrocious, cruel, calculated, and premeditated. The jury also acknowledged that Eileen had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, but determined that even though she had borderline personality disorder, she was aware of right and wrong at the time of the murder of Mr. Malloy. Eileen was put to death on October 9, 2002 by lethal injection. Many books and movies have been made depicting Eileen's story. Eileen was the second female executed in Florida's history and is one of the most prolific and popular serial killers of all time. Yeah, she's wild, like, not wild, but um, with the case of Roe v. Wade being overturned, um, which I don't want to get into politics or whatever, but uh, let's just say my For You page was like, plastered with her uh all over it yeah she her, she said that she was a feminist she um <laughs> uh, she hate she was a man hater is what she was um, um why yeah um her last words were um i'll be back and she um turned down her last meal you know when somebody's on death row and they their last meal they get to have whatever they want. I guess in nineteen or in two thousand two, last meal could be less than twenty dollars. So she could have had like steak and potatoes, and you know, I, I myself would have like a big giant cake. But um, all she wanted was a cup of black coffee. It's weird. Coffee was as black as her heart. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, if you look her up, there's a lot of pictures of her making faces, and um, she's really creepy, like, scary looking. The one on TikTok take is, uh, that goes 
is on a lot of TikToks is the one where she takes her hands and the handcuffs and she's like, yeah, holding them to her neck. That's the that's a popular one. That's what she said Mr. Malloy did to her, Mallory. Um, She said Mr. Mallory had taken um, a cord of some type and he had wrapped it around her neck. So, um, you know, when when he was doing what supposedly what he had done to her and she feared her life. So she shot him. But those seem to be like the stressor. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know anything about how one becomes a serial killer but that does really seem to be the the tipping point yes well i mean look at charles manson i mean he we haven't discussed him yet but i mean you know he had a young mother and she reportedly even sold him for drugs and things and abandoned him at a young age and his father wasn't really his father and i mean so he, yeah, had he didn't have a name right you're right. gonna hear me say this probably a hundred thousand times from now but, like, it's a shame when you look at serial killers because they weren't born and raised in a healthy, thriving environment. And it plays a big role in what they do later in life. And I'm, I'm sure you're going to hear me say that again. It's so frustrating. I just, it, it blows my mind, the connection between serial killers and their childhoods and just shitty relationships with people who are supposed to love them. And I said, Bundy, didn't he have a good relationship or didn't he have a pretty normal childhood? I think or no. There was something going on though, wasn't he? He was raised by grandparents too, wasn't he? Yeah, wasn't he? He was raised by grandparents, but there was. It was said he really looked up to his grandfather. I thought. But there is something fishy about the grandfather. Like, I think his... He did something, didn't he? Yeah, I think he raped his daughter or something. Oh, you're right, you're right. There's, they say that... Like, that... And then they said that his mom was his sister or something. Yes. 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 So there was some sort of weird dynamic there in the family. But, I mean, everybody has a weird dynamic in their family. And everybody has a quirky family member. I mean, but we're not all going out killing people. We're not, we're making choices to be kind and do good. Right. We're not selling ourselves. And, 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 there, and there's a lot of sex workers that don't kill people either, you know. So you can't just say because she was a sex worker. It's just a shame. Like, I wonder what kind of person she would have been. If she would have got the love that she deserved and required as a younger, you know, in her early life. I, it just makes me wonder. You know, as someone who's worked with kids who have issues, I mean, most of my career I worked with those kind of kids. And it, it's really hard, you know, I mean. I remember they, working with you at one point and looking at you and saying we're we're help teaching potential serial killers like just because their their background themselves is just so similar and it it makes you stop and think like you need to be that one person for that kiddo so they don't turn into a serial killer but i mean that one person is are you really going to make a difference was there one person in eileen's life i mean there was ty yeah but 
she killed for Ty. She killed for Ty so that she could bring money home for Ty so that Ty had a place to live in a hotel. Ty had food, you know, and so she was providing for Ty. And unfortunately, she killed and robbed these seven gentlemen. The one one of the men was actually reportedly he was a, a very Christian fellow and the family swore up and down that he would never, never have relationship with a prostitute. Oh, come on. We all have secrets that our family does. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, just because you're a Christian, whatever. I would imagine that it, We're would, not be, gonna... it would be hard to. Um, admit that maybe your father or husband um, would stray that way. Well, especially. But they feel like they feel like she was she was hitchhiking and she was a known hitchhiker. She was hitchhiking and this gentleman saw this woman on the side of the road and picked her up to take her to wherever she was going and, you know, um, that that's. That's how they presented it, that he did not want to rape her. He did not purchase her as a prostitute. He was just picking up a woman that he saw on the side of the road, and he didn't want anything to happen to her, and he was trying to protect her and take her to her next destination. And she ended up taking him to his last destination. Is is this um, Humphreys? Um, No, I I don't remember which one it was. I would like to note that um, although we keep saying that, you know, we feel bad for her and poor, poor lady, you know, she just wanted love. I should note, we're not, how do I want to put it? We're not <laughs> condoning it. I, I, don't feel, I don't feel bad for the Eileen, the grown-up Eileen that committed murder. I right. feel bad for the four-year-old girl who was abandoned by her mother and given to her grandparents to raise right. and possibly you know molested and and raped as a child and gave birth to a a baby out of wedlock that's that's the child that I feel bad for right when she made choices to behave it she did yeah yeah so I don't I don't want people thinking we're like oh poor her it's not her fault she was born that way nobody's born a serial killer they're made into one Right. By choices that other people make. Like, it's just, it's it's shitty. Well, that's the end of my story. That was a good first episode. Yeah. Thank you. I'm excited to do more. What do we think is going to be next? Give us a preview. Hmm. To be determined? Who goes next? Tori or Cass? I don't know. Let's let like our followers, if we get any of them, let them decide who goes next. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed us babbling on about a special lady who did terrible things. Eileen Warnos. Yes. Come on, Eileen. Okay. Please, if you liked our podcast or have a friend who might like this, uh, share and subscribe so that you hear our next episode. 
and we'll be back next week so make sure you don't miss that bye everybody bye bye, bye.